Hello, drama queens! Welcome, or welcome back, to Post Dramatic, a dramedy podcast about what it's like to live with complex PTSD. My name is Kalayla, and this is going to be a solo episode this week because I didn't line up a guest because I'm an irresponsible podcaster. Anyway, something responsible that I'm going to do is offer you a content warning for this episode. In this episode, we will be discussing at length, by we I mean myself and the three dogs in the room, people-pleasing behavior, abuse, death, religion and the afterlife, bowel movements and toilet moments, sinning, panic attack symptoms, schizophrenia, narcissism, menstruation and birth control, and the uterus. If any of these things would trigger anything within you that's unpleasant and you don't want to listen, or better yet, if it would be healthier for you not to, totally respect that and you need to do, you boo-boo. But anyway, for anyone else who might still be listening, let's get into the episode. Alright, so these dogs are going to be making noises. Um, I don't know what kind of noises, hopefully not barking. <laughs> Hello, drama queens. Welcome or welcome back to Post Dramatic, a podcast that I started because I have CPTSD. <laughs> um, I don't have a guest with me today because I, for once, was actually really busy in my life over the last couple weeks, so I didn't arrange for anyone to come on. Um, wah, wah. But if you if you really enjoy the episodes that have a guest, I'm really sorry. Um, you're going to miss out on something you loved this week because, <laughs> because I got busy. Um, but if you do like the rambly Just Me podcast episodes, then welcome to this, because that's, that's what this is going to be, I guess. Um, hang on, let me adjust things. I'm currently sitting in my living room with two dogs on the couch beside me, and I, I don't know where the third dog is, um, but she's off somewhere probably chewing on something in her bed because she's a good girl and then there's me I've done some laundry today I ooh, I made a clothesline out of paracord and a couple of clasps and I just I don't know I like hanging my clothes to dry because I don't know <laughs> I just do my great aunt great uncle um, always used to hang their clothes on this giant, incredible, like, handmade, um, clothesline that, <laughs> that they made by hand. Wow, imagine that. But they, I always thought it was so cool, because it was like a flagpole, like, you could reel it in, like, bring the line down, and then pin all the clothes on, and, whoosh, 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 like, slide it along, and then just pull it back up so that nothing and no one could reach it to tamper with it while it dries. And I just always thought that was so cool. And I guess, thinking about it now, that's probably the height of luxury in my mind, is having this giant clothesline that just seems so high-tech. <laughs> Even though it, it's a pulley system, it's fine. We've had flags for how many years now? Like, this isn't new. <laughs> but it's really exciting to me. Um, so what I did doesn't even compare to that, just paracord and clasps, and it's between the garage and the fence, um, and could probably fit 10 shirts on it, but that's fine. 
you know. <laughs> Beyond doing laundry and uh, hanging clothes, I also cleaned up a bunch of trash because our house has just been so like everything piles up and then when you get busy it piles up even more because you don't have time to try to make a dent in the piles but I got 400 years of sleep last night and it was incredible so I decided since I have this energy today I'm going to use it to clean the house because uh, I have to kind of hang around because we're expecting a package that like it's important I can't not be here when it gets here so yeah that kind of dictated yeah today is gonna be the day and it's kind of perfect because Luke's coming home from work um for those of you who don't know um my lovely partner Luke he is working on a project out of town right now he works in the film industry just like I do uh well not just like I do he's a little more active than I am but anyway wah wah um he's been working out of town Monday to Friday and then he comes home on the weekend and it's nice when he comes home <laughs> I like having the house to myself but also company is welcome something that I've been thinking about lately is how much the way that we're raised really impacts who we are as a person. Like, I know, duh. <laughs> like, obviously, okay. The way that you're nurtured is the way that you're going to behave and all that stuff. La la la, that makes sense. But really thinking about it lately has uh, got me to thinking. <laughs> I think uh, it's interesting that with complex trauma my complex trauma specifically, obviously. I'm not a medical professional of any kind, and I don't speak for everybody. Um, but in my experience, it seems like... Like in that episode of Friends, where I think it's Phoebe and Joey have that... Either a bet or a contest, I don't... Or... I don't know. They are challenging each other in some way to like do something kind that's completely selfless, that doesn't impact them at all. And then Phoebe's like, oh, I know I'll do this. Oh, but is that cheating because it makes me feel really good to do it? And is it selfless if you feel good about doing it? I think that was something that happened in that episode. Um, and it just got me to thinking that, like, am I a kind person or am I just trying to be good enough for my mother? Like, that, that thought rocked me to my core. I know exactly where I was. I was driving by Market Mall, and I had the thought of, am I a good person? Am I trying to be a good person just because I like to think that I know the difference between right and wrong, and I like to think that I know what compassion is, so I try very hard to be compassionate. But is all of that just because during my formative developmental years, I had someone telling me that I didn't do enough for other people and I was really selfish? And that God was going to punish me for being so selfish one day? So is it, am I just traumatized? Sadie, don't you start barking. Am I... Oh, you did not. I mean... There are definitely worse ways to act out in your, you know, when you're triggered. 
<laughs> like instead of doing heroin or becoming violent, I buy a coffee for the person behind me in line because I hate myself so deeply and think, what have I done to be kind today? And that <laughs> isn't funny. And it's definitely something that I'm working on. Um, something that my therapist has mentioned to me many times, she has to remind me, is that self-care isn't selfish. If you're doing the bare minimum that you need to do to keep yourself alive and well and healthy, just if you're, for once, meeting your bare minimum of needs as a person, that's not selfish. That's literally survival. You're allowed to survive and you're allowed to thrive, which is tough. It's so hard to understand that it's okay for you to live a life when you've been so, like, deeply abused during your childhood, you know? It's actually, it's really kind of funny, because, like, for me personally, I've talked about this on my YouTube channel before. I've certainly talked to my therapist about it, but... I feel like there's got to be some sort of afterlife, like your energy has to go somewhere, like even if you don't turn into a ghost, even if I'm bonkers and ghosts don't exist, I don't know, you've got some, like we've got this magnetic freaking thing that makes all of my electronics go wonky sometimes, like I've had bad luck with watches, like the batteries die super fast and la la la. And I've heard that's a thing. I can't remember what it's called. But if somebody does know, please comment on something somewhere and let me know what it's called. But when you're, oh, I can't, I can't think of it. Your wavelength, like your, uh, I don't know, the electric whatever in your body and the electric whatever in the watch or the cell phone or the this or the that it uh they just don't jive and thus wacky electronics you know um but yeah so that like does that just stop when we die like does it I don't know I think it has to go somewhere even if we become electricity or something I don't know it's got to go somewhere and like Somewhere that I'd like to believe that it goes is an afterlife. <laughs> because scientifically it makes sense, right? I don't know. I sometimes wonder, like, does your consciousness go somewhere? Is this just... Am I just a brain that's having thoughts? I don't know. Like, do the thoughts go somewhere one day? I don't know. Everybody else's do. The point of this is everybody goes to heaven. All dogs go to heaven. All freaking anyone who hasn't decided genocide is okay, they go to heaven, except for me. There's this fear that I have that there's something, but just not for me. And I think that's, well, no, duh, obviously that's a trauma thing, um, because God was used so heavily against me when I was a kid that, of course, I'm gonna worry that there's no heaven for me. <laughs> um, but it's just, you know, stuff like that. People do good things to try to get into heaven. I do good things to try to never stop existing, even if it means that I go to hell. I don't know. I don't believe hell's a real place. But yeah, there's many worse things that a person can do than try to be kind um, when they're feeling triggered and 
hate themselves, but it's also really exhausting to constantly try to be good enough, like literally not to do well enough, but to do enough good to kind of undo all of the criticism that you received as a child, I guess. I don't know. Someone out there is going to understand this, and that's good enough for me. But I don't know. I like to be a nice person, but I've started realizing lately if I don't do absolutely everything that I can and drop everything anytime anyone needs anything, I feel so, so guilty because... I was taking care of myself by saying no. If I had plans with a friend or a family member and someone was like, oh, hey, if it's convenient for you, can you come help me with X, Y, Z? And they won't even be asking much of me. They won't need, need it that badly. It's just kind of like, Hey, if you're not doing anything today and you want some free beer, do you want to help me move boxes from point A to point B? Because I'm moving. And if I have something else going on that's fun for me, I will feel so guilty probably for the rest of my life for not <laughs> dropping it to go and help this person that was so desperately in need that had their whole family and really just wanted it as a time to hang out. And everything gets taken so personally I guess when you have the trauma brain, like with complex trauma, it's <laughs> they call it complex for a reason. I don't know why they call it complex. I don't know everything. I'm not a doctor. Not that doctors know anything. I mean everything. <laughs> doctors know things. Trust me, they do. But do they know everything? No. Nobody does. Um, I digress. I think a lot of the time with complex trauma, the game of survival as a child was... To please others and to appease those who were raising you. Um, the, a thing with complex trauma is, I believe the definition, it's not word for word or anything, um, but I believe it's something to the effect of repeated and prolonged trauma, usually during childhood and usually um, from primary caregivers. So typically parents or foster parents or whoever is raising you when you're a child if they're constantly like abusing you or even if you're not being abused even if you just live in a traumatic situation um where it's just chaotic all the time you're constantly in a state of fight or flight Sadie don't do it I see you hearing those kids walk by Reading Hannah Hart's book, um, Buffering, Unshared Tales of a Life Fully Loaded, I believe, um, I related to it so much because while our circumstances were a little bit different, um, because no two stories are the same, like detail for detail, and if they are, that's spooky, and you're supposed to have that person in your life, whoever's story matches up with you. Anyway, um, reading that book... I just felt so understood because she was describing pretty traumatic situations that, like, as an adult, it doesn't sound that bad. Also, if you hear snoring, there's a puppy snoring beside me, and I can't bring myself to wake her up. 
But reading that book made me feel so understood because even if it's not traumatic as an adult, if it doesn't seem that bad, as a child, and that's all you know, all you know is this chaos and you feel like maybe something's wrong but you can't put your finger on what until you go out into the world and realize, oh, my house is a lot different than their house and their house and their house. You don't know something's wrong until you're exposed to other things. And I grew up in a home where my primary caregiver constantly let me know that she was in touch with God and would know anytime I did anything wrong. I, uh, I used to pray and this, okay, oh my gosh, how funny I used to pray, lol. Um, no, <laughs> but I mean, I still do sometimes. I like send positive vibes out into the universe. Sometimes I call it something. Sometimes I'm just like, oh, please let this happen. Like, you know, when you want something, that's when you decide praying is fine and isn't crazy. Um, anyway, I used to pray on the toilet if I had painful movements or lack thereof. Um, if I was constipated, especially, I would sit on the toilet and think about everything I've done that could possibly count as a sin and apologize for it and promise never to do it again if this pain would just go away. And that only stopped... I only realized that I haven't done it in a while, like a month ago. So I think in the last couple of years, it must have stopped. Um, since we've lived in this house, for sure, I don't think I've prayed because of pain. But it's interesting how pain, physical pain... Things that, you know, you would think you're allowed to feel <laughs> are so linked to sin um, and feelings of pleasure, too. Don't don't get me wrong. <laughs> you're not allowed to feel anything without it being your fault. Um, I don't know. I started talking to my therapist about this last week and I couldn't get into it because I just started crying and, you know, having a physical response. So when it's too much, we we let that happen and then we kind of take take a minute, you know? Um, but let's see if I can get through it on my podcast. F it, YOLO. Um, <laughs> you only live once because there's no heaven for me. So enjoyment is really triggering for me. Something, I know this is so, this is funny and feels pathetic but it's a huge step for me personally. Something that I have been working on is saying the word enjoy more. Because when, so something cute that Sadie does, if you're new here, Sadie is my service dog in training. She's about a year and a half old and still going through her teenager phase and it's fine, I'll survive. Um, but in the morning when I feed her her breakfast, no matter where I am in the house, usually I'm on the toilet, um, she comes running in and gives me a hug because one of her tasks is something that I call hug, which is deep pressure therapy on my shoulders and my chest, just because for me personally, for some reason, that really helps me feel better. Um, when I'm having an episode, it calms me down. Sadie, I swear to God. 
Thank you. <laughs> anyway, so when she comes and does that, she's so happy and so satisfied and she's licking her lips and licking my face and just so happy and it's so sweet. And for the longest time, it would make me feel emotional, like a lot. And it would, I don't know, it, I would dissociate, I guess. And uh, I realized, oh, it's because she's enjoying something and it's fine. She was allowed to enjoy her breakfast uninterrupted. Something about my primary caregiver was that she was, I love her dearly. She was ill. Um, she had psychiatric illnesses that went untreated and unformally diagnosed. Um, but based on her symptoms and her response to treatment in the last few months of her life, we think it was some category of schizophrenia. Uh, <laughs> so that's a lot. But she also was a huge narcissist. Love you. But also, you were a lot. Anyway, <laughs> um, so if nothing was wrong, well, something's wrong with that. So there always had to be something wrong. So we were always on edge. Everybody was always walking on eggshells, um, which is an exhausting way to live. Like, it doesn't sound that bad. Like, oh, just learn how to appease her. It's fine. But you couldn't learn how to appease her because as soon as you figured out how to, then she would find something else to complain about. Um, which narcissistic personality disorder, I'm not a doctor, but I believe it's a real thing. Like <laughs> there's some people who are just, they can't see outside of themselves, you know, cannot physically cannot or mentally, I guess they can't figure out how to not be all about them all the time. And I absolutely forgive everything that was ever said about me or to me and done to me. But also, <laughs> wolf man, it sucked. So I'm trying to say the word enjoy more because it hurts me too. And I don't condone like self-harm, obviously. <laughs> But it it's a challenge, and I think something important in the healing journey is to challenge yourself, because what's happening with the complex trauma is that you're stuck in a loop of whatever it is and was that you endured, and we're not emotionally stunted, I guess, but our nervous system is absolutely dysregulated, and our emotions are often complicated and unregulated, out of control. I guess there was one psychiatrist who tried to prescribe me these mood stabilizers that made everything worse and talk to your doctors before you go off of medications, but I stopped taking them, talked to my normal doctor, and she was like, hey, it's whatever works. <laughs> she trusts me and we have a great relationship and I'm so thankful for her. Um, anyway, our moods are often unstable, hence the mood stabilizers, but oh, I can't even remember where I was going with that. 
Oh, yeah. So in order to grow past that, we have to challenge it, but in manageable pieces. I have been in therapy for, I think it'll be three years in June. Wow. It's a lot of work. And after almost three years in therapy, I'm just now able to chip away at that particular trauma. Isn't that wild? Like, it's the mind is a crazy thing. No pun intended this time. <laughs> but it's so interesting how long it takes because it's different for everybody. I have a friend who went through a trauma who is doing EMDR and it's apparently been kind of slowly working for her. And this trauma is fresh, like within the year, um, within 12 months, within a year long period of time. And that's working for her. Whereas with me, I think for me personally, it's too much at this point in time. Like, I think there's a lot of stuff I still have to work through because it's 24 years of the trauma and I'm 28 now. So really, it does take a long time, but I just want to take a moment to acknowledge that, wow, go me <laughs> and go my therapist and go you if you've gone to therapy. And you know what? Even if you haven't, Something that I think people need to understand is that it's so, so hard and so impossible to go to therapy. It's the hardest thing in the whole world. It is so difficult. It took me approximately seven years to get into therapy after I realized that I needed it. And there's people who are older than me who have been waiting longer than I've been alive to address their trauma or their depression or their anxiety. And I just want to point out that if you haven't been hospitalized, that doesn't mean that you're not sick, for lack of a better word. For me, I personally identify as having a psychiatric disability. Where I live, PTSD is legally recognized as a disability. Um, and complex PTSD is different from PTSD. It's also... I believe in the DSM-5, I think it's also listed, or no, it's not listed yet. I think it's supposed to be coming out in the next one. Correct me if I'm wrong, mental health nerds um, <laughs> who actually own a DSM. Uh, diagnostic something manual is what that stands for. What is that sound? Oh, it's a truck backing up right outside the window. They're doing street sweeping today. Anyway, it's a... <laughs> Sorry, I get really distracted. Um, complex PTSD is also listed, at least on Dr. Google, as complex trauma disorder, which sometimes when I'm trying to explain it to people, I refer to it as that because there was a funny thing that happened to me at the pharmacy recently, actually. I was going to pick up my prescriptions, which... Um, every year around this time, they do a check-in like, oh, hey, are your blah, blah, blahs still doing the thing? And is your doopy doop still doing the what's it? And uh, just kind of, do you smoke? How much do you drink? La, la, la. Do you have any more allergies that you've found out about? 
just kind of an update for your file. Um, but it feels like an interrogation when you're me. <laughs> so I didn't have Sadie with me, thank goodness, because it was just theatrical and dramatic enough. Um, he asked if Sadie, I were safe. Good girl. Yes, good girl. Proud of you. Um, he asked if I was still taking the birth control to regulate my period, which I said yes. Like, don't get me wrong, it's like I'm not ready to have a baby at this exact moment either, so it's for birth control, but the primary reason why I started taking it is because my periods are wonky. Um, I'm really sorry if that's triggering for you. I'll put that in the trigger warning at the very beginning um blah, blah, blah. right and he asked if I had any irregular period activity I guess in the last recent history <laughs> and I mentioned oh yeah my period was a day late this month but I think that's probably because I forgot to take a pill once in the middle of the month just like brushed it off no big deal and unfortunately this guy a I had never seen him there before b he looked young, like maybe my age or younger. So I think he might have been new. So he blushed a little bit when he asked me, like, can you tell me out loud how you fixed that? Like, because <laughs> he had to verbally hear that I know how to fix the problem if I miss a birth control pill, which that's their job. But it was just really uncomfortable just because it's like, if he wouldn't have gone a little bit pink in the face, it would have been fine. But I think a lot of people still get embarrassed talking about, like, the female reproductive system. And I'm sorry for calling it that. The uterus. Yeah. That happened, and it was awkward. And then he asked me what I was taking the antidepressants for. So I said, complex PTSD. And then he paused for half a second and then wrote down PTSD. Um... Because it's not, like, technically officially recognized as a legit disorder yet. Which, uh, is probably why, um, I had a psychiatrist try to diagnose me with bipolar 2 after knowing me for 20 minutes. Um, that was fun. Wow, was that a dramatic day. I had to leave work to go to this appointment. And then go back to work after. And it was so triggering and upsetting and I work in the film industry, so the subject matter, matter, the subject matter of the scene that we were shooting when I got back from this appointment was very triggering for me. Um, so I had a very, very big anxiety attack um, in one of the rooms of the set. I locked myself away because we were rolling. I didn't have anything to do anyway, and I just had... A massive episode and then I was like hey I'm sorry I have to go like <laughs> can't literally can't and that's pretty frustrating because it's so physical um there was a time recently when I came home and Luke asked me a question about something as I was walking through the door and I was having a good day I was fine but in that moment something a something in my mind and body felt attacked like not attacked but I guess it took me by surprise which then made me start shaking and crying and then that made me get mad because I was having a good day 
My partner asked me an innocent question when I came home with the dogs or whatever I was doing. I don't know. I walked through the door and he was like, oh, blah, 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 the reasonable thing. And then I was like, theatrics. Um, And it's just really frustrating that your nervous system is so in control of your life because throughout your the years of your life when you were learning how to human and learning what your needs are and your body knows whether or not its needs are being met, allegedly. So you are just shaped into this big blob of anxiety for the rest of your life. And it's possible to move past it and to not be triggered as often. But at the same time, it's just super annoying that I have to bring a dog with me everywhere now because my body is out of control. Isn't that fucked up? (laughs) I mean, don't get me wrong. I love her, but it's not fun to have a service dog, especially when it's for an invisible disability, because people will ask. They don't know that it's rude. They'll be like, oh, who are you training her for? Is she going to go help somebody one day? And if I don't just say yes, (laughs) it turns into a big conversation about, oh no, I'm actually training her for myself. Oh, why do you get to have a service dog? It's never, why do you need one? It's, why do you get to have one? Or, oh, what is she learning how to do? Which I really prefer the second one (laughs) because it doesn't imply that I'm lucky to be disabled. (laughs) Hashtag just CPTSD things. Anyway, uh, oh heck, boys. I think, I think I'm probably just gonna go now. Edit this, look at some cute dogs sleeping right beside me, and, uh, how do people end podcasts? I guess I'm supposed to plug stuff at the end. Um, if you have any questions or comments or concerns, you can send me an email at posttraumaticvictory at gmail.com. That is posttraumatic, T-R-A-U-M-A-T-I-C, victory at gmail.com. And whatever app you're listening to this on, I guess if there's any kind of rating system where you can say that you like the podcast or rate it out of five or anything, um, I would really appreciate it if you could do that because I think Somehow it helps with the algorithm and the whatever. It helps this podcast reach more people. Um, if you feel like supporting me on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash Kalela. Um, that's K-E-L-E-L-A. And I guess, I don't know, other than that, I don't really have anything exciting to talk about this week. Neither did I for the past, like, half hour or however long it's been. (laughs) But anyway, thank you for listening, and I guess I'll talk to you next time. Don't forget to be kind to yourself and others today. Goodbye?